This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, let's switch gears here. Let's talk about coal. There's been obviously a lot of talk in Alberta about the future of coal and the government's plan to speed up the phase out of coal. What impact that's going to have on the environment, what impact that's going to have on our emissions, but also what impact it's going to have on those who work in the industry in communities in Alberta like Hannah uh, that are really dependent on the coal industry. We do have some, some case studies we can look to, and Ontario is one example. A new Fraser Institute study notes that in 2005, the province of Ontario began a process that would eventually lead to the phasing out of its coal-fired power plants. The rationale for shuttering these plants was a 2005 cost-benefit analysis that assumed about $3 billion in annual savings to the healthcare system as a result of the reduction of smog-related air contaminants. So we hear a lot here in Alberta as well about the benefits of doing so. Federally, uh, the government is, is pursuing the same course of action here. Now, this new report, I think, asks some important questions. Uh, it's called, Did the Coal Phase-Out Reduce Air Pollution? Joining us on the line is the co-author of this report, uh, Dr. Kenneth Green, an environmental scientist, senior director of natural resource studies at the Fraser Institute. Uh, Ken, thanks for joining us. You're welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, give us a bit more than an, an, an overview of how we measure uh, the, the benefits or lack thereof of phasing out coal and what the Ontario example tells us. Well, that's the, the, the uh, tricky part, which is we wrote in 2005 that we did not believe the $3 billion estimate that the damages that were estimated coming from the air pollution at the time, or, and we, that we did not believe that because uh, coal was essentially 1% of the emissions, and yet it was costing, would have theoretically costing $3 billion, which was 10% of the entire health budget. When you consider the other 99% of emissions, you'd have multiple orders of magnitude more people being affected. So we felt that they were overstating the risks of low-level exposures to, to uh, smog and particulates. And we warned that this would happen, and uh, essentially it, it did come to pass. Uh, what happened basically is they phased out the coal plants, but some of the emissions were um, replaced when they put in back, backup power, gas backup power. Um, but the biggest factor of all is that most of the emissions, even at the time in 2005, or, were dominated by U.S. Uh, transboundary emissions. And the U.S. cleaned up its act at the same time Canada did, uh, bringing those emissions way, way, way down. So uh, the, the emission reduction trend was largely secular. Uh, and in, in uh, Ontario, um, the, the, it was statistically insignificant around uh, Hamilton uh, and Toronto. Um, there was a minor increase uh, in ozone and a, smite, a very small decrease in particulates, but uh, not enough to warrant the one, and a half, one to one and a half billion dollars of spending that was done in the, under the Clean Energy Act, Clean Energy Act, in order to get rid of the coal plants. All right. Well, I mean, I mean, look, coal is uh, a dirty fuel. I mean, the burning of coal does release these these particulates, and and you know, it, it does all of these things that we understand. Would we not expect to see any benefits from from phasing out coal? Is this suggesting maybe that these these estimates were overly optimistic? Right. Well. You know the whole dirty coal thing um, is really somewhat out of date. It's it's a it's a rhetorical talking point uh, of environmentalists. But re- in reality, as we discussed in the paper in the, the one in 2005, the technologies to, to burn coal pretty much cleanly um, have existed for 20 years. Um, and scrubbers and electrostatic precipitators and things like that uh, really took the, the the dirty out of dirty coal. Um, 
there are some, it does release some um, contaminants to the to the environment that that natural gas does not, for example. But um, uh, so, so there would be some benefits to at least reducing uh, ecosystem burdens of a few metals uh, and minerals at very low levels. But um, largely, as we pointed out, the, the province was on track to complete retrofits and uh, increase the uh, environmental protections on the existing coal plants. And they would have gotten the same reductions that they actually attained, but at a tenth of the cost. Right. And I know that this study focuses on, on air pollution. Certainly scrubbers are effective to that end. I guess, though, that, that doesn't address uh, CO2 emissions, though, does it? No, that's right. We didn't look at CO2 emissions for several reasons. One, um, they were not really the rationale for closing the coal plants in Ontario. That was conventional air pollution. Right. And you could put a measurement, even if, if we disagree with it, you can measure uh, sort of what your potential costs and benefits are, at least estimate using models. Um, it's much harder to do that with regard to climate change, which is a global issue. You wouldn't expect to see local benefits necessarily. And so um, we didn't consider it in, in this, in this uh, plan. Yeah, my co-author, Ross McKittrick, points out that um, had that, that, been the re- that been the rationale at the time, uh, it would have been vastly cheaper for the province to simply buy emission offsets abroad, where the, the low-hanging fruit is still out there to get uh, really inexpensive emission reductions, uh, rather than trying to go the expensive route they went. Okay, so this is about measuring whether or not we saw benefits uh, as it pertained to air pollution. And I think maybe a consequence of that, certainly it's been argued that uh, with less air pollution, you're going to see uh, savings in, in the healthcare system. So have we really seen any difference in Ontario on the air pollution side? And does that trickle down in any way to, to savings in healthcare? Um, I would guess it's pretty much immeasurable because you know, people, don't, people don't die you know, they, as a result of air, air pollution. So perhaps they have a respiratory disease aggravated. But the cause of death is listed as going to be listed as asthma or emphysema or bronchitis or something like that, pneumonia. Um, so we really can't measure whether there have been savings in the healthcare system or not. What we can measure is that Ontario uh, went from being middle of the pack for the cost of electricity to being toward the highest in North America in terms of the cost. And we know that access to energy is also a health indicator. There's energy poverty in Ontario at around 7, 7.5% meaning that, ten, that households, 7.5% of households are spending more than 10% of all of their discretionary, all of their expenditures, just keeping the, the house uh, powered up. Uh, that's even worse when you include cars. So uh, what we, we can't measure there any benefit. Um, we can assume a very small one, although since the, the results were, for reducing air pollution were insignificant at the largest population centers, um, we would have to assume that there was a very, very small number of people who saw, got any kind of relief from the actions taken in Ontario. From the actions taken by the United States, you know, sure, we could argue that there are way less smog days, but we're, we're judging just the Ontario plan rather than uh, and not, the, not the entire world's evolution. Right. Well, if we're talking about technology that can uh, clean up coal, as it were, uh, that, that has a cost, too. So w- what's the comparative cost between uh, moving to clean burning coal uh, versus phasing out coal? Well, we calculated it as about at about a tenth. So, if you figure they spent one and a half billion, um, it'd be more like 150 million um, to, uh, to 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 uh, retrofit the coal plants with scrubbers and uh, current technology. So, uh, it, it's a, like, as I said, it's about ten times less money to get the same results, um, while by the way keeping your power costs low and keeping your power um, reliable. Right now. Um, with, the, with the transition to wind, for example, in, in uh, Ontario, in another study, we pointed out that 80% of the wind power that's generated is generated at times of Ontarians aren't consuming it. Uh, 
And so it's sent into the United States and sold at a loss, which is then made up for by Ontario ratepayers and taxpayers. Um, so, you know, it's a very good argument could be made that you, you put the, on the best control devices that, that are available, let these assets live out their economic life, and then move to – and let the market move you to natural gas, which it's doing anyway because of the, the flood of natural gas that is, that is uh, well, um, appearing in North America. Um, I think a good argument can be made that that's the way to go and not to, to precipitously do a phase-out that's going to cost a lot of money, uh, for, require you to compensate the people who you're shutting down, um, and then pay again to, to build backup power, and then pay again to build renewables. Right. Um, that doesn't make a lot of economic sense to me and, and to many other people. Well, and we're seeing similar numbers being thrown around in Alberta. Just from one government news release, uh, says phasing out coal will prevent 600 premature deaths and will avoid nearly $3 billion in negative health outcomes. So, I mean, we, we see a lot of these same numbers trotted out in different, different jurisdictions. So you wouldn't put any, any stock in that? No, but way back when, in 2002 or three, I think it is, I looked at some of the ways that these things are generated. And the, 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 those estimates, since we can't measure these things, those estimates are based on certain ideas from toxicology. One of the ideas they have is that any exposure to a, part, to a, to a pollutant at any level uh, is immediately toxic. And then they extrapolate from that to, see, to, to estimate how many people will be negatively affected. And that's where these numbers come from, right? And how many then of that percentage will die? But the question itself or the, the assumptions themselves are really quite dubious uh, because as the, the first tenet of toxicology is the dose makes the poison. And the exposure levels now for emissions in Canada are well below the established health thresholds by the Canadian government, so in mo- almost all cases. So um, I take those numbers with a huge grain of salt because they're, they're, they're modeling based on extreme views of toxicology. Right. Uh, and as it has affected the price of electricity in, in Ontario, certainly we, we heard the, the emotional plea from a woman last week at a town hall meeting with the Prime Minister about how much her hydro bill in Ontario has skyrocketed. Uh, I know there's concern here in Alberta what the cost impact might be, although natural gas, for example, is still fairly affordable. But what's the connection then uh, as it pertains to, to the cost of electricity and what people see on their bills and a decision to phase out coal? Well, yeah, as you pointed out, I mean, Alberta will have it easier because there's so much cheap natural gas to switch to as backup power, which wasn't the case when Ontario made its transition. The, the, the natural gas boom and hydraulic fracturing brought about hadn't happened yet. So mm-hmm. the gas prices were higher and somewhat more volatile to boot. But um, uh, so Alberta will have an easier run of it. But still, um, the cost of doing the replacement, doing the changeover, and, and, and if we pursue the plan here, to have a significant share of that replacement be a wind and solar power, we're going to see uh, higher power prices uh, in, in the province, whether, as the, the premier here has shielded his, uh, the ratepayers by putting a, an upper cap on price, but then it's just going to be diverted somewhere else into the manufacturing sector, to the uh, producers and, 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 and uh, service providers in society, rather than getting to you and your electric bill. All right. Well, we'll leave it there. Can people can uh, read the study for themselves? It's up at FraserInstitute.org. Thanks for spending some time with, uh, with us here today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care. Take That's care. Uh, Dr. Kenneth Green. He is the co-author of this study, also Senior Director of Natural Resource Studies at the Fraser Institute, 403-974-8255. We'll talk some more about coal when we return. Stay with us. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.